0: We are the Existentialists. Four existential psychotherapists invite you to join us in a dialogue about what it means to live an existentially tuned life.
1: Your hosts are...
0: Xavier Williams, therapist in Vancouver, Canada.
2: Janelle Drisner, therapist in Edmonton, Canada. Chelsea Stanner, therapist in South Surrey, Canada.
1: And Mihaila Alounanu, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Hello listeners, welcome to our today's episode on meaning. We are going to talk about what is meaning, what does it mean to live a meaningful life, and what happens if we lose our meaning our sense of meaning and if we become meaningless and also of course as you are used uh, with us by now like we are going to apply this concept in the context of therapy asking ourselves how to work with clients who are uh, maybe going through periods of uh, meaningless lostness in their lives and how to promote even a meaningful um, therapeutic relationship and we we'll start uh, as we um, used you to to start like with checking with ourselves but this time around the topic of meaning like maybe we can share each of us um, what does this word meaning evoke in us what do we think of when we say meaning
0: me first other than the kind of discussion kind of around meaning and what we're going to have it doesn't always evoke anything in me i and that doesn't mean i don't find meaning in life or the world but for me I think I've always felt I've been lucky enough for one reason or another to feel like my life is meaningful and so it's never really been an issue I've never lacked it I think and so it doesn't kind of it's not one of those hot button that kind of hits me or really puts me but I really like exploring it and as many people, who many people, <laughs> the few people who might have read the, our, our website, our listeners will know in the intro for my bio, I talk about, I think, being a, an absurdist, essentially that for me there's no ultimate meaning, there's no overarching meaning, but that by no, no stretch of the imagination does that mean that there isn't meaning to be found or to be had or to be enjoyed. And really, I find existence very meaningful.
1: Yeah, you are making very good points that we come back to, right? The difference between, you know, finding our personal existence and existence with others meaningful versus the overarching meaning. And it seems that you you are probably embedded and in, you leave the meaning. You don't just pause and ask about it. So sometimes it's possible that the word doesn't hit you, as we say. And for me, when I think about meaning or meaningful, something that is meaningful, I think about something deeply personal or valuable and also something that goes somewhere, like there is a future of that experience or relationship. So in order to say that something is meaningful, there is a a deeply personal involvement and value and also a future going a direction. So That's what comes up for me. And
2: for me, when I think about meaning, I also think about it on more of a personal Level as well, and I think sometimes it can be felt or thought of as like this footprint of my existence on the earth, or maybe that's how I used to think. Like, am I making a meaningful contribution to society or the planet or this this place that we live? But it's really changed for me from that. Whereas now it's much more personal. And am I living the life that I want? Am I feeling fulfilled and I would say that it is so that I do feel that way, and it also feels much better to view it that way than, I don't know, there's just much less pressure to have it be personal and have it be based upon myself versus maybe what society finds as meaningful or religion or culture or some other facet of existence. So. I do find my life, as ordinary as it is, quite meaningful.
3: For me, I, I'm realizing as I'm listening hearing you all talk that I have a lot less to say about meaning as much as I do feel it or sense it in my life. I think I'm having a difficult time articulating what it is that I think about it. But when I experience meaning, I think it is by far one of the most beautiful experiences to behold in my life. And when it's not there, it feels, my life feels rather bleak. And so I, I like Zab. like you started us off with that distinction between like ultimate meaning versus like personal meaning in my life. And so I'd say I'm always looking for meaning. I don't know what I would do if I didn't, have a dream and think about it and explore it and or interpret it or analyze the symbols and the colors and everything that shows up. Like I love and very much have always been attracted to finding meaning in my everyday experience. But I realize that it's definitely a felt sense when it is here and something I like to embrace or rest in more than I like to theorize or more than I like to intellectualize it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Janelle. I think you, um, what you said, it's, I resonate with that, and I think it's a good transition towards clarifying a bit how do we understand meaning in existential analysis, in existential thinking, because, and you pointed out to something really essential there, that it's a felt sense. It's not something that is mm-hmm. prescribed a theory or a belief that comes from outside us. And even if it is, we still, um, if it's our meaning, if it's our personal meaning, we feel it. There is that felt sense that you spoke so well about. So when we talk Mm -hmm. about meaning in existential analysis, at least, but I think that applies to existentialism in general. We talk about the personal kind of detection, identification of the valuable possibilities in our lives that will... um, allow us to take up our existence and to fulfill our existential project that open us to the future, that possibilities that point towards a direction when we feel that there is growth possible and that that growth brings us a sense of fulfillment, but it's definitely very much a felt sense of meaning and it's uh, deeply personal. We are not talking about the overarching meaning of life. As you said, Sav, it's not about uh, this is the meaning of life and we all agree and we move on, and sometimes we struggle with finding our meaning. We can also lose our meaning, but we'll talk about it more. Maybe we can stick with what is meaning, and if you, any of you would like to add something to how we understand meaning in existential analysis, Chelsea?
2: Well, not necessarily from like an existential yeah. analytic view, but I think one of the things that we're touching upon right now is are we conceiving of meaning as something that's overarching or something that is more personal? And I think for me, I've kind of abandoned more of an overarching meaning for this life, for this existence. And yet I still feel that my life is quite meaningful in a personal way. And there's something that Abram Maslow came up with when he was talking about suchness meaning instead of like an overarching type of meaning. He described it like the meaning of something in and of itself. And for me, when I apply it to myself, what is meaningful now in my life is being as present as possible to what is currently happening in each moment. Because life is short and it is what it is. And who knows how long we'll all be here for. And I want to be as present and as with the things that are happening currently so that I fully experience things. And for that, for me, that is meaningful. And so he had this quote actually about the suchness meaning. And it goes like this What is the meaning of a leaf, a fugue, a sunset, a flower, a person? They mean themselves, explain themselves, and prove themselves. You can't make sense of many basic experiences in life. You can't be rational about them. They just are. But all you can do with them is simply to recognize their existence and to accept them, and wherever possible, to enjoy them in their richness and mystery, at the same time realizing that they constitute much of the answer to the question, what is the meaning of life?
1: Oh, that's very beautiful. Reminds me of Aristotle's concept of causa finalis like the final cause, like that each, uh, everything that exists, in um, its suchness is profoundly meaningful as it's oriented towards fulfilling the suchness, <laughs> its suchness, so it's, it's beautiful. And also something important, maybe we want to touch upon the difference between making sense and meaning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we conflate the two, right? And I think most people really want to make sense of their lives or what's going on and maybe not so much to to find the meaning, meaning to really connect uh, personally, to remain open personally, to detect uh, the most valuable possibilities in their own life, because that requires, uh, as we spoke in other episodes, a lot of personal work and awareness. So yeah, making sense is more like uh, finding a coherent narrative for what happens that may or may not be the accurate one or the helpful one, while meaning is uh, really sensing the valuable possibilities that open up our existence to to fulfilment, to a future, to to our existential project.
0: Mahali, you you, you use the word "the finding," mm-hmm. meaning, and that's one that kind of comes up in all over the place, really. And one of the things that that I've noticed a lot with clients, or just in general, that for me at least, that finding meaning has at least in their mind, has this kind of implied, well, there's a meaning is located over there. Like there's an actual specific point, maybe it's a geographical point or an achievement or or one of my pet peeves, a goal. Right. That uh, if I achieve X, I will find Mm -hmm. my meaning. So whenever I hear a client say, use the word goal, there's a little part of my brain that goes, okay, are you trying to find meaning through achievement rather than actually finding maybe discovering meaning should we say
1: so so important so like goal and meaning are not the same that's very important distinction too and meaning to find meaning we have to turn towards ourselves in the context in dialogue is the world of course but not to look outside and kind of decide rationally i'm going to achieve this and then i'm going to have meaning
2: Yeah. And when you said that there, that reminded me of like in the therapeutic context, because often in the first session, we'll say, you know, what are our goals? And I actually don't like that. And so I've switched out that language for like themes instead. And I recently actually had a client say to me that he came into the therapeutic process with maybe goals in mind. He's like, well, I came here to work on myself, but I realized through therapy that in coming here, I'm actually just being myself. And so it changed from a goal that he was you know, trying to fix something or do something and orient towards something, when instead it really just came, it came about being who he is.
0: That sounds like an incredibly wonderful experience. I would just... Like, as existential therapists, is that not like mm-hmm. what we want for clients, ultimately? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just absolutely. being myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in that, there is that meaning that uh, Maslow and then Aristotle kind of pointed towards, like in in being and who I am, and being who I am, in dialogue with the world, is I find that, that meaningfulness. And also maybe another distinction between finding meaning and making meaning or creating meaning, because also we encounter a lot, uh, lots of talks about making meaning in research too, not just in therapy. And I think in existential analysis or in Frankl's logotherapy, we uh, affirm the possibility and of course the existential question to find the meaning, not to make it, and to make it at all costs, which means that we are also open to the possibility of not finding meaning and of feeling meaningless and there are certain situations i'm sure we all experienced in our lives situations that were not fully meaningful and maybe we want to talk about that too like how is it that when we lose the meaning and we cannot find the meaning i like how
3: we're 15 minutes in and now we're talking about meaninglessness <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
0: well of course pretty
1: horrible i was wanting to say that when you checked in sav you said that uh, you weren't hit when you heard the word meaning or you are not and for people who live meaningfully and don't don't have to think all the time about meaning, mm. but in situations when we lost that sense of meaning, mm-hmm. this is when we realize that we lost it and that meaning is important. So that's why I, I maybe propose to maybe we can talk a little bit about how do we lose meaning and what to do then about meaninglessness is another way to kind of enrich our understanding of meaning of what meaning is and you said it's horrible John Ellen. i agree with you it's a very dark place
0: let's think about meaninglessness for a bit Mm -hmm. as you know like i've I've never had that experience and i'm immensely grateful for that
1: Uh, do you want to have it now
0: I mean we could try. I mean that's that's probably not fair. I mean <laughs> uh, not in a ma- majorly <laughs> profound sense. There have been instances, occurrences, events mm-hmm. in my life where I've really kind of gone really like this is pointless. Like we're just spinning wheels here or we're mm-hmm. just talking for the sake of it or and there is a degree of boredom that comes up a kind of a, a disengage a complete disengagement but it's never been to the extent of of where it's entirely lost.
1: Yeah, I relate to what you said. Like sometimes in situations where we are spinning our wheels, and there have been, are a few of those in my life, like it's the disengagement and the question, what's the point, what's the point, where are we going with this is coming up. So that's an instance of not truly understanding, again, more direction on the purpose, and the loss of meaning come from that. And maybe there is no future or together, or maybe there is no direction. But the spinning wheel creates a sense of purposelessness.
2: But I think to also just call something purposeless and meaningless and absurd gives ground mm-hmm. to it like mm-hmm. phenomenal ground. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's such a pull to make sense of. Things And often mm-hmm. that requires, especially tragic things, and that requires such mental gymnastics to do that mm-hmm. when instead to go, you know, this is absurd or this is tragic or this is meaningless actually gives like an answer to something that has happened instead of going, oh, you know, everything happens for a reason or you get back what you put out there in the universe and other kinds of kind of magical thinking. And so I think actually the concept and the experience of meaninglessness is really important part of existence and, and gives us ground to
1: stand upon. So, so important, Chelsea, yes, because in mental gymnastics that you are very elegant in (laughs) your choice of words, I think it's really so profoundly damaging and harmful, like to impose meaning people who, for example, lost a child or lost their ability in an accident, for example, even lost a dream that they had or a job, a vision to tell them, well, there is, just make some meaning out of it. There must be a meaning. Things like platitudes, like the ones that you mentioned. So it's mental gymnastics, but it's also so harmful. And it accelerates the unraveling of meaning and deepens the meaninglessness. But the problem is that they, these people don't have a space to even say this is meaningless. So it's also the silencing that comes with uh, with that experience. But I I wonder, like, in general, when, uh, so maybe we don't have personal experiences of meaninglessness, but I I wonder if we can talk about, yeah, sorry, Janelle, yeah.
3: I mean, I definitely do. Okay, Mm -hmm. please.
1: Yeah, please, Janelle.
3: I think it, I mean, this sounds a bit dramatic, because I'm saying it for me personally, in my life, going through bouts or periods where there's meaninglessness has felt very much like death. I genuinely don't understand when people say I derive comfort in their not being meaning. That's just not the way that it's been for me personally. So in more recent years, I've gone through a number of personal changes and growth. And in that growing process, it's also a dying process. And so I've walked away from things that I derived much meaning from. And I think The gap between deriving meaning or finding meaning in a thing and then you lose that thing and maybe that meaning isn't found elsewhere yet. There's like this abyss. So I found it interesting what you said Chelsea about like naming meaninglessness can actually be grounding and I agree with that. I think though for me suffering meaninglessness has been like drowning and I read, I guess I'm like it's my turn to do a quote now. I read in uh, Victor Frankl's Ultimate Search for Meaning a quote. Bear with me, it's a little bit long, but it was very helpful to me in that process of really wrestling with is life meaningful or meaningless. So Victor Frankl writes, what is unknowable need not be unbelievable. In fact, where knowledge gives up The torch is passed on to faith. True, it is not possible to find out intellectually whether everything is ultimately meaningless or where there is ultimate meaning behind everything. But if we cannot answer the question intellectually, we may well do so existentially. When intellectual cognition fails, an existential decision is due. Vis-a-vis the fact The fact that it is equally conceivable that everything is absolutely meaningful and that everything is absolutely meaningless, in other words, that the scales are equally high, we must throw the weight of our being into one of the scales. It was an interesting moment or point of critical decision for me because meaning for the majority of my life had been something that I felt or I guess when we talk about meaning finding for me it's been like finding I don't need to find it I just receive it it's just there and I just experience it and then when I didn't experience it anymore and I could not find it and I could not make it and it felt like annihilation reading this quote was so empowering because it's like okay Chanel you are really on these, like suffering these scales between is life meaningful or meaningless, choose one. What's a better life? What do I enjoy? Where does my existence blossom? What do I feel fulfilled by or excited by or ignited by? And for me, it's certainly been a life that is meaningful. And I just settled in myself. I am just not going to be a person in this lifetime that finds comfort in the meaninglessness. And that really settled something for me. So I think that that was a pretty powerful point is that we can actually choose because I think a lot of us put that question out there looking for an answer and we, we also get to decide it for ourselves.
1: Thank you, Jonel, for the quote and for your experience. And I think you chose uh, meaningfulness, not meaninglessness, but you did more than that or in order to or after you chose that, what you said about turning towards the possibilities where you are blossoming, where you are feeling connected with life, joyful. I think so you did the choice for a meaningful life and you did much more than that. You also open yourself up for what is valuable in your life, what is good in your life. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying that because I think it's not enough to just say I'm going to believe from now on that life is meaningful, but actually I'm going to live as if it's meaningless. Right? I think that's still Mm -hmm. a mental gymnastic, but what I heard you saying is that you chose to trust the meaningfulness of life and you very earnestly began to look for the possibilities that are valuable, fulfill you, where you feel present and fulfilled. Am I correct in um, how I understood you?
3: Definitely. Thank you for highlighting that. I think the trust is huge because, just like he says at the beginning of the quote, it's not an intellectual decision, right? I can just all of a sudden believe in this one or the other. I just need to intellectually choose. It was trusting that the where I derive meaning is true. It's real. And where I was suffering was I was questioning all of it. How do we know for sure? What if it's not? And what if this like entire life is absurd and it's all stupid? And then Camus' question of should I kill myself is, it really is the most important question. And so in the face of meaninglessness, we can come to very huge questions in terms of where do we derive value? and. How do we live our life in a way that we deem to be good and enjoyable?
2: Based upon your question there, Janelle, I'm curious for each of us what we find meaningful in a day mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. week.
1: You mean Camus' questions about if we should kill ourselves? Or <laughs> which question? <laughs> Because that's, actually <laughs> that's question. a different
2: it episode. It is a fantastic, question. fantastic question. But yeah, when, like, I'm just curious, kind of what each of us find most meaningful. Hmm,
3: that's such a good question. I'll just start off and probably come back around to me. i will just going to start really light because. In the depressive periods over the course of my life that I've suffered, the thing that I derive the most meaning from has been coffee. And so I owe a lot to coffee getting me out of bed in the morning. So I'm just going to start there and then we're going to
2: work our way up.
0: Hey, co- oh. coffee is one of those things. I know that Chelsea's uh, jumping up and down here.
2: Yeah, there's many days that coffee and my dog have gotten me out of bed.
3: <laughs> well, that's true. I should say my cat too. <laughs> There's and a
0: um, an article that you could read. I could find it by two existential philosophers or one's a Stoic philosopher. Yeah, Pretty much the same thing. In New York, a lady called Sky Cleary or Dr. Sky Cleary and then Massimo... I forget his name. Pulucci, something like that. Anyway, we'll link it. And they've been entitled, right? Have a coffee or kill yourself. The basic premise being that if your life is so... Dull and so meaningless, meaningless that a cup of coffee even doesn't give it anything. well, why continue and then the corollary being that if you're having a coffee every morning, if it really then there's something at least
3: that sounds like a good article, but I think that that's true, like I think that sometimes when we go through these periods and hopefully for any of our listeners that are suffering. I hope that this isn't a long period for you. But when we go through these periods, sometimes all we can do is find the smallest thing, the smallest thing that gives us joy. And that's okay.
2: So along those lines, I think often it is the small things that bring the greatest joy. Like it. Good point. Yeah. Like it sounds I don't know, minuscule to me to say it out loud, but like if I'm on a walk and I take the extra couple of seconds or minutes even to notice like a particular tree or particular flower that I pass or to even greet somebody and smile and ask how their day is. It's those like little encounters within the folds of existence that I find meaningful
1: yeah, for me the same. You articulate so well the the moments in the folds of existence, those glimpses that open up to a different reality, just for a moment. When there is so much richness and everything, yeah, falls holds together in a profoundly meaningful ways. So I find a lot of meaning in those moments, in the breaks, in the midst of busyness. And in those like unanticipated moments when something appears in a very meaningful, very full way, and at the same time, I also find uh, my work, genetically speaking, yeah. very meaningful. Like um, I, I do find mm-hmm. a sense of purpose and direction, and I find myself uh, drawn to uh, to create to to develop, to, so I definitely feel the future and sense the future, so I'm, um, it's not, it doesn't feel as work sometimes, and other times it does feel like work, but I guess these are the moments when <laughs> I disconnect or I'm too tired, the yeah, tiredness also makes me feel disconnected from the overall purpose.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm and work like something even like I've been processing in my own therapy at this point is my job is very much not a job like the client that I referenced earlier, you know, to be with somebody in a setting that allows them to be fully themselves. It's Mm -hmm. very, very meaningful to be part of that kind of encounter and that kind of dialogue. I can't liken it to any other kind of, you know, quote unquote job. It's, it's just this shared space that exists that allows for being to come fully into being.
0: Yeah, I I certainly share that thing about our job, our profession. Last episode, we, I think Chelsea, you had the phrase about we get to be human every day. Mm We wake up human and then we go to work and guess what we do? We're, we're just human with other humans. And that in and of itself, I think, is fabulously meaningful. And there are many, thankfully, very many days where I will kind of exit this building that we're in, where my office is, and, and I'll literally, as I walk through the doors onto the, the pavement or the sidewalk, I actually feel good. Like I feel, it's almost in that moment where I go, I've done something really, really cool today, yeah. not so much cool in there kind of trendy sense but in the like i feel good about what i've done
2: in like an awe inspiring kind of way or like a wonder kind of way
0: yeah absolutely in very much uh in very much that it's not i've ticked a box it's not i've achieved a goal it's just it it feels good absolutely and actually in contrast to that, that my previous profession and i used to work in uh, simply speaking uh, in IT and running databases and then working in law firms and consulting for lawyers and beyond the kind of intellectual challenge of problem solving I was incredibly bored I remember the very phrase that I would use sometimes would it would feel like my soul was being sucked out of me and if somebody doesn't believe in souls that's quite a profound statement
3: <laughs> or you do believe in souls and that's your proof mm,
0: no <laughs> but very much effectively i recognized that my job was to help this group of people take money away from this group of people who <laughs> want to take money for great from them. it was just mm-hmm. playing with it. it lacked purpose it lacked meaning and there's a function for law and a function for lawyers and everything but from a personal point of view uh, it lacked for sure,
1: not so much. So, it, it looks like we all have a lot of meaning in our lives, so we are not uh, decided to commit suicide today. I understand, like going <laughs> yeah. back to with questions, right? <laughs> okay, so may, but since we, we have meaning and we somehow can articulate it and <laughs> found it, maybe it's good to pause a bit and reflect on how did we find that meaning, what did we do <laughs> or not do, how. <laughs> were we in order to find this meaning i think that could be relevant for people who maybe are still seeking a meaning or feeling meaningless and definitely for our clients right if they are coming to us during a transition period a crisis when they lose touch with that meaning so maybe starting with our own personal experience how come that we find that meaning and we can affirm okay this is meaningful for me
0: interestingly enough the i mean maybe not well, interestingly, but not that surprising, what came up for me there as you asked that question was really the what I think we know and what we haven't really touched on, but it might be worth explaining the difference between existential analysis and logotherapy. Right, whereas logotherapy is very much focused on meaning and meaning making and finding meaning, existential analysis kind of is much more about foundational pieces that ultimately give us the base from which we can find meaning. And for me, that's absolutely it I mean, other than decisions to change professions and move countries, I was able to do that because I had solid foundations because i had I could take a risk because I had support because because of a whole bunch of of other things that's really what enabled me you know there's the stimulus of being bored of having my soul being sucked out. But that's one thing to feel that. It's another thing to go, okay, make a decision, uh, even an existential decision, and be open to change. But then to actually affect change and be able to affect change was crucial, I'd say, for me.
1: And so, just for the listeners who don't know all the foundational pieces that you are referring to, just a reminder like that in existential analysis, uh, we say that the meaning is uh, emerging quite organically. From um, the fulfillment of other kind of conditions of our existence, like Sav mentioned the support and the space that he had like to be in this world, right to have a secure a safe existence and well supported existence, so that's the first condition like uh, to be able to be. But then we also, it's important to have relationships, good relationships, to be in touch with our feelings and allow ourselves to be moved. So that's another second condition of existence. And then a the third condition of existence or foundational aspect is to be able to be ourselves, to take up our self, our um, identity in relationship with others, in encounters with others. And most likely, if we have a safe existence and good relationships, good relationship with ourselves and a sense of who we are, then we are more likely to find meaning, to experience that sense of meaningfulness of life. It's not a guarantee, right? Because we can all sometimes have all these conditions, and sometimes is still missing in terms of our um, orientation. And we still ask, may ask ourselves, for what? Do I have home, for what do I have a relationship, for what am I myself, right? So that is still, the question may still be there, but the likelihood of finding meaning is increased if, if we have those conditions. And at the same time, Frankl will say that in spite of not having any of those, people can still find meaning. And that was his experience in the concentration camp. And that kind of shaped everything he wrote, of course. So how do we, I come back to my question because I don't feel we answered it. I mean you you answered yourself but like how did we find the meaning that we are affirming so clearly? What did we do? Like, How did we find out that um, our work is so meaningful? How do we know it's so meaningful? Maybe it's completely meaningless and we are just uh, thinking that we did a cool thing when in fact maybe that person will go and consider Camus question tonight. How do you have that first sense, the generative reference at the beginning that is meaningful?
0: For me, it was very much a feeling. I distinctly know exactly why I switched. There was a one year where two friends of mine were going through divorces and I found myself talking to them a lot. I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what I was doing when I was talking to one friend and it sounds a bit perverse and he knows this as well. And so I'm sure he'll forgive me for saying it, but... I was enjoying talking to him about his suffering. <laughs> and it's not that I was enjoying his suffering, but I remember distinctly having this kind of meta experience, this kind of a self-transcendent experience, where I came out of myself and I, oh, not only am I listening and trying to help him through his thing, but I'm actually enjoying doing this. Like there's something, a good feeling in me that, despite his suffering, that that's pulling me towards. That was kind of the impetus for it.
1: I think that is key to affirm the meaningfulness of something is to, to have an emotional connection, an emotional closeness, to detect a value, to have like empathy, to have a felt sense. But even before that, it's important, and I think you maybe alluded to it, Chelsea, and said something about that, to, to have capacity to be aware of what is in front of us. Sometimes we we go through life quite blindly, and from point A to point B, like just looking, you know, at our shoes or at the concrete sidewalk on which we walk, and we don't even we don't pause, as you said, to look at a tree or at a flower. So even perception and mm-hmm. awareness of what's going on will uh, is fundamental for meaning. So if we are uh, caught in our own reality or narrative too much and to don't remain open to what is and to slow down the walk and look at the tree, then we may miss the opportunity to be touched emotionally and to feel that something is personally relevant and to feel that potential meaning in there. I
2: think what you're saying too, like just about the emotional connection Mm -hmm. to the experience is really important in feeling alive. Because so much of our lives we can just miss or gloss over or be mm-hmm. so future oriented that we don't miss actually what's happening right now, and you know mm-hmm. I'll say all that we have is right now
1: mm-hmm. yes, and then based on that feeling of uh, on what is important to us, then the other two crucial elements to experience meaningfulness on a more consistent basis is to choose to make choices and to act and i think we talked a lot about that in the previous episode is authenticity like we can have loving feelings or lovely feelings loving and lovely feelings about many things but if we don't choose where do we want to go is that or to choose what we like for example versus what we dislike and we don't act accordingly it's unlikely that we'll will feel the fulfillment and the sense of purpose. It will be actually quite frustrating, perhaps, if we really like something and we cannot choose it or we cannot act. So choosing and acting are also realizing the possibilities that we choose. It's essential to meaningfulness.
3: Mm -hmm. I appreciate that all that you're bringing up, Mahila. And I think that we've touched on it, but maybe haven't said it outright, unless I've spaced out and we have... But that's so important to meaning what you're saying with our likes is that they point our liking point to our values and so our realizing our values being, is so important in finding meaning for many of us we may grow up with values already given to us given to us by our families given to us by the communities we belong or the culture we're a part of or religion we're a part of and I think there comes a time, if not an ongoing process in our lives, where we need to look at those values, maybe some that were given to us that, that actually aren't ours, that we don't really connect with. And for us to consciously look around in the world, see all the possibilities, and decide for ourselves what it is that we really value. And as Zab was talking about, you know, that there was something in him that kind of enjoyed talking with his friend who was suffering. I totally resonate with that um, because for me, taking something ugly and making it beautiful is one of my deep-seated values in whatever capacity that looks like, whether it's a really disorganized pantry that I'm going to organize or design a room or in the really, really messy process of meeting with a human being face to face and sorting through all the crap and the trauma and the pain and finding the essence of who they are, there's nothing more radiant than that. And so for me, like knowing that value and connecting to that value and seeing how, how that value manifests in different layers of my life and in different ways That is where I can derive meaning and derive meaning in a very small way. And then also in a much larger way, if I think about just, you know, over the course of humanity and as we're developing, that I want to be a part of healing the wounding of not in this like God complex way, but just my part, just my small part as I'm alive on this earth for as long as I am. And so that kind of gives me meaning in the little things, and then the big things is just connecting to that value.
0: Janelle, I think that's a fabulous kind of point to make there about that in that small my way, in my way. So often we see that people search for meaning, or find, or maybe find some sort of meaning in some greater cause, right? And mm-hmm. and you know, many causes are, are very well worth kind of fighting for and working for there's certainly that i've seen personally and that i see a lot of at the moment where people almost lose themselves in causes almost in search of meaning because one of the unfortunate things i think of the kind of hyper-developed technological world that we're in now is very much a kind of a disconnection a a glossing over a ticking over a constant kind of relying on cell phones and that meaning that we might have found elsewhere that and i'm going to sound very um what's the word i'm looking for old school and that meaning that we might have found in work in labour in the old kind of marxist kind of kind of sense doesn't really exist anymore how do you find meaning in being on a zero hour contract at a mcdonald's maybe and then maybe tomorrow you're not and it's very difficult to be associated with anything and so in the absence of that small personal or even just kind of a regional community meaning then we search for it in bigger things that often tend to consume us or kind of carry us along right and this is often where cults and kind of let's call them authoritarian kind of politics kind of thrives is the word I'm <laughs> looking for.
1: <laughs> yeah, And I'm not sure if that excessive preoccupation with meaning or fanaticism, like mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to cults and all mm-hmm. that, if it really reveals a, a deep meaninglessness and uh, a disconnection from the personal, like the personal felt sense of the value in those actions is not present. So it's a disconnect actually from the personal meaning-finding process that we talked about. I have a curiosity, what happens when people don't have meaning? What do we see even in our practice? Why is it so important to find meaning? Like what maybe even in our practices, like what do we notice if our clients are lost or they say directly, I'm meaningless, I lost. My meaning, I don't know for what, am I still here?
3: Such good questions you have tonight for us. We touched on it, about suicidality in Mm -hmm. an extreme, I would say that's more of an extreme form, but it does show up not, there's a lack of orientation. There's for what if my life is left hanging or it feels pointless or it feels too much. And so... As you talked before about those different foundational principles, we would also look at those because there might be other lack. Not just meaning is lacking, but but it can. For some people it can feel really too much and not worth suffering through.
1: Yeah, and what the suicide or suicidality and then suicidal... It could be very kind of active, radical ways to, to respond to mm-hmm. that sense of meaninglessness. Other people like, I mean, clients and friends and uh, other people I know like can also start using substances or um, may engage in activities that become addictive, like including video gaming or porn addiction and all that. So there is, uh, again, this uh, frantic desire to, to fill in the emptiness of meaninglessness with something, right? And that make them feel good for the moment, give them a a rush and a kind of a substitute for what is missing. And we know with addiction that things get only get worse, right? So addiction is also something we see in clinical practice that comes Mm -hmm. directly from lack of meaning, and also violence destruction, especially the purposeless destruction, absurd, just for the sake of destroying something, ultimately that act of meaningless destruction, someone can find a purpose, (laughs) temporarily like, okay, this is, if nothing matters if nothing, this is for nothing, at least this I can have some power here it's quite important to reflect on uh, How are we doing with this topic? Like, and sometimes if we are, if like, savvy say, well, I think I'm fine, nothing comes up, maybe we really live a meaningful life. But it's still good to reflect and see what possibilities are we fulfilling? What is our felt sense of, of meaning in our lives?
2: Yeah, I think if I'm understanding you, like what you're getting at is what is the feeling or felt experience of meaning itself? Or how do you know that you experience something as meaningful, I think, is what you're
1: asking. Yeah, I think it's, we talked about that. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, to invite the listeners to reflect Mm -hmm. on that. Yes, absolutely. To do the reflection process that we kind of done when we shared about what we find meaningful. Yes. Not to go only on, oh, there is meaning because, I don't know, religion tells me so, or my favorite theory of existence, tell me so, but actually to make the effort, the personal effort to detect what are those valuable possibilities where we can blossom, as Janelle said, right? When you said that you chose to believe the meaningfulness, to trust, not to believe, Mm -hmm. that's a big difference, to trust that life is meaningful, that you didn't just Mm -hmm. sit there and say, I trust, you also engaged, (laughs) you are active, you are choosing to pay attention Mm -hmm. And to experience things that brought value to your life. So yeah, so that's the question Mm -hmm. for our, I mean, invitation for our listeners, like, to do this process.
3: And that what we derive meaning from changes. Mm -hmm. I think you opened us up, Mahalo, talking about the becoming component of meaning. But then I think a part of, going off of our last episode of authenticity, a part of living authentically and knowing oneself and in connection with one's values also means that you'll change and your life context will change, but also what you derive meaning from will, will change as well. So I think for me, this yeah invitation for listeners to hold meaning with an open, open hand as something to be received, something to experience and feel, but also that something that may transform
1: too. Yeah. Very important point, Janelle. It's not like, uh, like with authenticity, I'm not authentic now and forever, <laughs> meaning <too> late, <laughs> <Yeah. that? laughs> I have a meaningful life and that's it. Now I can just go to sleep, metaphorically speaking, and it will be all well, because life is mm. changing, whatever you have today, you may not have tomorrow, or you may be propelled in crisis that we could not even imagine. And then how can we stay open and continue engaging with the existence? and find some meaning or even acknowledge right now there is no meaning for me but i'm still Mm -hmm. engaging and maybe i'll find meaning by choosing something that i feel valuable connected with
0: i like that so one of the things that always moves me on every topic but i think on, on this one and i'm thinking of a particular client too and i saw this week one of the most promising hopeful signs that I see is when a client who is expressing either literally verbally or just in their kind of demeanor or in their struggles and their suffering meaninglessness is when they cry that begins to, to indicate that there's a feeling that there's a feeling of I don't like this that okay this person has isn't something still touches them there is still value there and so it's always a, a wonderful thing to see because you you know then as a therapist you can work with that there's something to point towards to start from and yeah you're just really hopeful in that respect
1: and very helpful for our work in therapy as therapies right to appreciate those moments when they offer access to the person and mm. that's the Kind of where the meaning from that uh, point the meaning can emerge can mm-hmm. be found, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's a very practical advice, like basically make your clients cry <laughs> <laughs> just kidding no let
0: <laughs> i mean you, you 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 say that kind of
1: um uh, um sarcastic
0: facetiously mm-hmm. but uh, no honestly mm-hmm. there they are sometimes I'm trying to. Not trying to make them suffer, but mm-hmm. but I'm asking questions because because at least for me, and this parks on on our next episode. But something in me feels that it's there, even if you they're not presenting it verbally or immediately. Something about who they are and what they're presenting to me elicits this feeling in me, and so I ask questions to to explore it. And then when the tears do come, then you can see there's something there.
1: And something that we didn't talk so much today, it's again the relational aspect, that sometimes it's important for someone else to see the the seed of meaning mm-hmm. in me, right? Like mm-hmm. the therapist, right? If someone is crying and we connect with that, we can tell the of that's really meaningful to you it's really something that moves you uh, it matters to you if it's not meaningful but it matters to you uh, and i think that immensely important that someone else can see maybe better than i can in a certain moment that well actually that matters to you when uh, i say i don't care about this someone said mm, yeah the way uh, you speak or the tears that come up in this moment uh, suggest that you care and that's another uh, way of kind of finding meaning
2: And I don't know if we've touched on this so explicitly, but I think the existential analytic position is that meaning is found. It's not created. And so if it's there to be found, then that's something that also can be drawn out in therapy by encountering oneself and being in a therapeutic relationship where that meaning can come forward or can emerge. But it's not about creating it or yeah making it
1: okay well thank you for this very interesting dialogue and thank you for um, listening to us thank you listeners for tuning in and listening to our podcast and i will leave you with the existential question
2: so our existential question for you today is what would it be like for you to listen to somebody while putting all of your assumptions or expectations aside.
0: Follow us on Instagram at existentialist podcast and let us know your answer to today's existential question. To learn more about us, listen to and learn about other episodes, visit our website at existentialistpodcast.com.